fact that this that this sicha is um, partially from a mimer called Vashafti Bashalam from Tafshin Lamed Ches. Um, and we will see that as we get into the second part of the sicha. Uh, we're learning. A-L-E-A-F-E, please. We're learning um, for the four Shlema Rav Yosef Yitzchak Ben Sima Chasia. Again, Vayetze Gimel, Chelek Tezbov. Um, so I had uh, put something into the chat, just saying that it would be helpful for people to have a Chumash and Rashi. Um, so we'll begin. The Rebbe says, Al hapsukim vayidar Yaakov neder leimor ibiyel akim imadi goimer vayashem lilakim vayevan azayis ashasamti matzeve iya beis elakim goimer. So let's look at these psukim and the Rashi on these psukim. Um, so we're looking now at Pasuk Chaf, verse 20 in Perek Chavches, chapter 28. So that's chapter 28, verse 20. Yaakov made a vow saying, and um, just, just, I should have started with this, just to give a little bit of context. Uh, so this is the famous uh, dream that Yaakov has with a ladder, with the malachim going up and down, and the famous words of Haratta Yama Vakemats, a friend of Anegba, etc., etc. And and uh, he wakes up and he says, Man Noira Hamokim Hazah, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of Elohim, and this is the gate of heaven. And uh, he played, he took. Um, the stone that he had placed at his head, and he created a monument, a matseva out of it. He named that place Beis El. And now Yaakov makes a nether, he makes a vow. And he says, Im imadi, If Elikim will be with me, Ushmarani hazer and guards me on this path that I'm going, and he gives me bread to eat and clothing to wear. Vishafti Vishalam of Base Avi, and if I return in peace to my father's house, Vahaya Hashem Lila Elakim, and Hashem will be my God. And then this stone, which I have set here as a monument, Ia Base Elakim, will become a house of God. And of all that you give, I will surely give a tenth to you. Um, let's look at Rashi. Im yelikim imadi, im yishmerli haftaches halalu. If he will keep these promises, shehiv tichani liyosimadi, that he promised me to be with me. Kamaisha Amrali, as he said, vinea noichi imach, behold, I am with you. Ushmarani, Kamaisha Amrali, and guard me, as Hashem said to me, Ushmar ticha bechalashar telech, I will guard you wherever you go. Like he said, I will not forsake you. For one who must search for bread is considered abandoned. Like it says, I have never seen a righteous man forsaken and his children searching for bread. Like Hashem said to me, I will bring you back to this land. What does it mean to bring me back in peace? Shalem completely 
free from sin, that I may not learn from the ways of Lavan. What does it mean? Hashem will be my God. That his name shall be upon me. From beginning to end. That he may not find anyone unfit among my descendants. As it says, as it is said, and, and these are words that actually Hashem said to Abram, to be a God to you, and to your descendants after you. Your descendants after you, meaning that nothing in him be found unfit. So these are the Psukim and Rashi's comments on the words. And now we continue with the, the Sicha. So the Rebbe says, How is it possible? How is it possible that Yaakov made contingent his good deeds, making a base hamigdash and giving maiser, on a condition, if Hashem will be with me. Is it possible to conjure that Yaakov Avinu only served Hashem, God forbid, in order to receive a reward? It's not possible. And so this difficulty itself forces us to say, that in what seems to be Yaakov making his vow contingent on these conditions, what, what he means with this is not to say, well, if Hashem, you give me these things, then I will do such and such. That was not his goal. That if he's going to get these things, then he will do these good deeds. But it's rather the opposite. His goal was to keep the vow that he made to Hashem. But he made the neder contingent on the condition. In other words, this is to say that it is through the agency of Hashem fulfilling these conditions that he will be able to keep his vow. And um, if you look at footnote, footnote five, and we're not going to have time to go into a lot of footnotes, but just here, the, uh, the Rebbe is mitzati, uh, quotes from the Kliyakar. And, and, and the Kliyakar, it's a very long Kliyakar, but it brings down in part, that if Hashem won't help that he should be shielded or guarded from these four categories of Averis, then there's no way that there will be the Beis Hamidrash, the Beis Hamidrash will be destroyed. And the four Averis are Avedazara, Gilearayash, Vichazdamim, and Lashon Hara. Um, that these were Averis that the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed for. And so in part, the Kliyakar is saying that what Yaakovina is saying is, I want to do these things, but I need your help, Abishar. I need your help, Beis. 
And we will better understand this by prefacing with two different ways of understanding the psukim that we just read, both the condition, the tanai, and the vow itself, the neder. So the Rebbe is going to bring down the day of Rashi and the day of the Ramban. Das Rashi, Rashi's understanding is Shebahaya Hashem Lila Lakim, Matze Psul Bizari, that when Yaakovina says that Hashem should be my God, and Rashi explains that this means that there should not be found any imperfection in his descendants, who chelek visium hatnai. According to Rashi, this is part of and actually the last part of the conditions that Yaakov sets forth to Hashem in order to help him to fulfill his vow. And according to Rashi, the beginning of the actual vow is in the second Pasuk. So that would be Chof Beis, which begins, that with this stone that I have put here as a monument, that will be the Beis HaMikdash. But in according to how the Ramban understood this, he's Mefarish, Devahaya Hashem Lilalakim, Huloi Hem Shachatnai Kedivri Rashi. He opines that Hashem should be my God is not a continuation of the conditions that will allow for Yaakov to keep his vow, which is what Rashi understands, but rather Kiim Tchilas Haneder that the words of Ahaya Hashem Lila Lekim are the beginning of Yaakov's vow. And according to the Ramban, the end of the Tnayim, the end of the conditions that will make possible Yaakov's vow, it ends with the words, I'll come in peace back to my father, to the house of my father. So now if we take the Shita of the Ramban, we have to understand. If you're going to opine that the words are the beginning of the vow, then it would seem that the way in which the actual verses are divided should have been in consonance with this understanding, should have been organized differently. If you look into the Chumash, what the Rebbe is saying is that in accordance with the Ramban's opinion, then Pasuk Chav Aleph should have either been, the first part should have been appended to Pasuk Chav, the words Veshafti Besholem of Avi, and the second part of Pasuk Chaf Aleph, should have been the beginning of Pasuk Chaf Beis. Because the Ramban is saying that Vashafti B'Shalom Beis Avi is the end of the conditions, and Vahaya Hashem is the beginning of the Neder. So the way the Psukim are divided should have reflected this. Ubefrat, and especially in the brackets, and 
and especially the Rebbe says, because in accordance with how the Ramban understands these psukim, these two clauses, are not just details, two details of the nether. But rather much more than that. That's a typo. They come in juxtaposition, they come in a continuum. And these two different expressions really have one message, one content. And what, what is the content of this neder? I will serve the one God. In the place where this stone is put down and will later be the house for Hashem. Meaning, the combination of Havaya and Elikim, as you see in the puzzle, both are used. So it's especially a question, why are they in two different psukim? And so therefore we're forced to say, that even in accordance with the Shita of the Ramban, so since it shouldn't have been divided like this, if it is divided, we're forced to say that although according to the Ramban, the words are part of the neder and not part of the tanai, but still there is a special connection between this part of the neder and the part of the Tanai in the words Vishapti Basholai. And this is true. And this specific connection is different. It, it, there's much more of a connection between these words, to the rest of the Tanaiim, than there is to the Tanaiim and the words Vahaven Azais. And therefore, this part of the neder, which is is mentioned in the same pasuk as the last clause of the tonight, which is v'shapti b'sholam al-beis-avi. Okay, so to review. To review, the Rebbe said, so far, let's go back. The Rebbe is saying that what we have here in these psukim, are a vow, but the vow is contingent on certain conditions. And so the first question that I've asked is, what? Yaakov Avinu is making a vow and he's saying that his spiritual service will only be <laughs> contingent on what Hashem gives him. And Hashem should give him this and this and this and this. And if he does that, then he's going to do this and this and this. The Rebbe says, no, it's impossible. So this forces us to say, and see if Aleph the Rebbe concludes, that it's the, it's the opposite. What's unequivocal is that Yaakov says, I'm going to do this. But he's saying, Hashem, Abishar, I, I, I need you to do, I need your help here. <laughs> you, you have to work with me. And if you give me these things, I will be able to fulfill what I want to do. Okay, And, and there's a famous... Uh, the, the Rambam says that that's another way of understanding what it means when we, you know, when we dive into Hashem, 
we just, we need these things. So we should be able to do our Avedis Hashem. Okay, that's Sif Aleph. In Sif Beis, the Rebbe says, we're going to understand this more deeply by first analyzing the fact that there's two ways of understanding these psukim. There's Rashi and there's the Ramban. According to Rashi, Baha'i Hashem Lila Lekim is part of the Tanai. And the nether begins with the words va'even samti matseva. That's one understanding. The Ramban understands that Vahaya Shamlila Lakim is not part of the conditions. It's already part of the nether. Now, if we go according to the Shita of the Ramban, then we have to understand what's going on in Pasuk Chafalev. Pasuk Chafalev seems like a mashup. Half of it is a tonight and half of it is a nether. Why would that be the case? So the Chippa says that this means to tell us that there is a very specific connection, even according to the Ramban, between Vishafti Bishalom, base Avi, which is the last clause of the Tanai, and Vahaya Shamlila Lekim, which is the beginning of the Nether. Gimel. Keshem Shahaneder Nishalik because of the base Psukim, just like the Nether is divided into Psukim, part of it is in Pasuk Chav Aleph, part is in Pasuk Chav Beis. Vahaya Shamlila Lekim is in Chav Aleph, Evan Azais is in Chav Beis. Kivan Shanichalu Bay Beis Sukim, because the Neder includes two categories. Al in like fashion, the conditions that Yaakov put down can also be subdivided into two categories. And they too are divided into psukim. First, you have you have that pasuk, which is in pasuk chaf. That's one category. And then a chav alef, you have the shafti b'shalom of base avi. And according to Rashi, Ulashitas Rashi, Afsim haposik v'hay Hashem lila lekim if neshish behem base sugim. And and according to Rashi, it also includes v'hay Hashem lila lekim. And why are the why is the neder divided into psukim to show us that there are two sugim, there are two categories. So there's two categories in the Tnayim, there's two categories in the Neder. The Inyan Zem Mutgash Gam And you could see this underscored if you look more carefully and you parse the actual words of the text. The first Pasuk, which is Pasuk Chaf, speaks of things that Hashem will do. Ushmarani, the Nasan Li. That's in Pasuk Chof. Masha'enke, the Pasuk Habei is in Chof Aleph. In contradistinction, if you look at Pasuk Chof Aleph, Vishafti, I will return. Veloi Vahashi Veni, It's like it will happen by itself and I will be returned. But it doesn't say, You will do this to me. So the Rebbe says, so now let's go 
to the central point of an explanation as to how to understand the Tanai, the Tanayim, and how to understand Yaakov's Neder. And the Rebbe zooms out here, and he tells us that the Vidas Yaakov Avinu, Yitziyasai Mib'er Sheva, Eretz Yisrael Lechutz La'aretz, Ubefrat Lecharon, Charon Af Shel Mokayim, Ba'olam. That Yaakov's going down, his leaving from Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutz, and especially where was he going? He was going to Charon, which is called Charon Afshel Makoim. This is a place that, that makes Hashem angry. It was, it was a place that was spiritually dangerous. Why did Yaakov go? It was a It was a descent for the purpose of an ascent. And the Rebbe says, in this Aliyah, there are three aspects. And the Rebbe is going to break it down into three categories of what is accomplished in this Yerida. Aleph. Through the fact that although he was in Haran, and although he was in the house of Laban, he was not influenced, and he left Shalem Minchet complete and un. He was not impacted, and he was not influenced, and he was he he did not engage in any chatayim. Nisala ledarga nalis yosem mikafish hayakaydem hayirida. So he was elevated to a, a, a level that was much much higher than he was before he left Eretz Yisrael. He was a tzaddik, he was a Yaakov Avinu, but only after going into Charon and to being the base Lavan and emerging from there, Sholem and Achet, that's a whole different level. And this is like, although not exactly like the superlative quality of a Balshuva over a tzaddik, like it says famously, that the place where a Balshuva stands. Is, is, is a level that a tzaddik gomer cannot ever achieve, cannot ever stand there. And this is because a baal tasted the taste of, 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 of a transgression. And although he tasted it, he separated himself from it, and he was able to successfully rein in his yetzahara. So that's number one of what is accomplished through this Yerida. That's the first level of Aliyah. Base. Dav Gesham, Kiem Yaakov is at It was Davka in Charan. The Yaakov started his family and he fulfilled the mandate of being fruitful and multiplying and, um, and, and, and conquering the world. And as we know, his whole mandate was He came there to take a wife and, and, and to be fruitful. And in Yaakov Avinu, it was, it was complete. Came to fruition in a very complete way. That's the second way in which it was a Yerid uh, Al-Tzayr Chaliyah. Gimel Belashen Chasidus Al-Yedei Avedasar B'Tzayin Lavan 
The third thing is, as Chassidus explains, that through his work with the flocks of Lavan, B'meshech Esrim Shana for 20 years, Birer, he refined and he elevated the sparks of holiness that were found in Lovan's assets. And through this, he um, effectuated an elevation until the Torah says about him that the man became very, very wealthy. And Hasidus understands this in the spiritual sense. Hey, now the Rebbe says, very nice story, but this is really the story of all of our lives. Everything that our patriarchs did, that our Aves did, is a guidepost for us, for, for the children. We'll move on, and it's understood. And so it's understood that this Avoid of Yaakov leaving from Be'er Sheba and going to Haran is something that is found in the Avoid of each one of us. And like the Arachayim explained, and the Rebbe cites this in many Sichas as Arachayim, that this Pasuk alludes to the general idea of an Ashama coming into this world. And also parallel to this, on the macro level, is B'nai Yisrael going into Golos. That the whole Indian of an Ashama coming into this world and the whole Indian of Golos is a Yerida, it's a descent for the purpose of Asint. And just like the Rebbe teased out three different aspects of the Aliyah by Yaakov, so too, generally speaking, there are these three, the following three aspects of every Yerida L'Tzarech Aliyah. Aleph. B'yayis ha-neshama l'mayla hi When the neshama is up above in heaven, the neshama is like uh, in the modality of a tzadik. And when the neshama comes down and has to be vested in a body and in a nefesh Bahamas, and the purpose of the body and the nefesh Bahamas and their function is to obscure and to shroud elikos. And when the neshama nevertheless engages in her avoid of Torah mitzvah, then she is elevated beyond the level that the neshama enjoyed above before it came down to the level of Baltshuva. Returns to Hashem. So that's one level. Bays, biyidasa lamata mikayemes haneshamas atzivay pru urvu utayem mitzvahs bechlal. When the neshama comes down, it is able to fulfill the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, and in general to do tayem mitzvahs. So there's the way in which the neshama is elevated because it has to overcome the helam behester of the guf and the nefesh of Bahamas and the world, physical world. 
there's the second aspect, which is it's able to do Tarem Mitzvahs, Gimel. And then, and through the Avoida in this world, in this physical world, interfacing with the physical, temporal, corporeal aspects, the Neshama is able to effectuate an abode, a dwelling place for Hashem in this lower realm. And through this Avoida, through this last aspect, the neshama is elevated to a much, much higher level than it was previously. And in this third aspect of effectuating a dear Yisbarach and the aliyah that the neshama experiences through this, Yeshna Yisra and Beprat Echad, Ba'avoida Shel Vachol Ma'asecha Yulashim Shemayim, Ubechol Drochechad Ehu, Al Panei Ha'avoida Delimen Hatayah Vikim Hamitzvahs. There is a superlative quality about this avoid of making a dear Lo'yizbarach over the fulfillment of mitzvahs and learning Torah. And that is this idea of the Chol Ma'asecha all of your actions, should be for the sake of heaven. And in all your ways, you should know him. Why? What's the superlative characteristic of this Avaita? Because Tarim Mitzvah is, is, is the Abishra's Rishos. It's like it's the Rishos Hayachet that belongs to Abishra. Abishra gives us commandments and it's holy. But when you have this idea of all of your actions should be for the sake of heaven, and in all your ways you should know Hashem, then you're taking in Yane Rishus, you're taking things that belong in your domain. They're not in and of themselves holy, they await your overture. You're taking, that's why it's called Ma'asecha, your actions, your ways. And when you make them, when you make it something for Hashem, then you've really taken the lower strata and you've made of this a dear Yisbarach. Because when you do mitzvahs, yes, you do it with aspects of this physical world, but the framework within which you do it is already holy, it's already sacred. But when you engage in this is a whole different category. You're taking things that are in and of themselves pedestrian and you're making the dear in that realm as well. Now I saw something flit across the chat before. Oh, I see. Why Purvu and rest in parentheses? So um, this goes back to the, uh, in Sif Hey base, the second category. If I, I think what the Rebbe is doing is showing us how this relates to the second aspect of the Avoida of what Yaakov Avinu did. And Purvu could, of course, be meant physically, in other words, to be fruitful and multiply in the physical sense. 
And it can also be a term that relates to all of Torah and mitzvahs, to be fruitful and to be prolific in your spiritual service. So I think the Rebbe is just showing us how this relates to the three categories that he had outlined in the Avoid of Yaakov Avinu when he left Be'er Sheva, when he left Eretz Yisrael and went to Haram, went to Chutz Laaret. But question can I ask? Sure. The, the Indian of Dir um, Betachtainim, is that dependent on uh, Har Sinai or is that there from before Har Sinai, from the days, like by the others? As far as I understand, it only begins with Har Sinai because until, until Matan Terah, there was no possibility for El Yainim to come down to Tachtainim. Hashemayim, Shemayim Lahashem, Ba'aretz Levnei Adam. That's the whole thing that the Rebbe over and over explains in Sichas that citing the famous Medrash that there was, it was like um, there was no way to cross the border. Rome couldn't go to Greece. Greece couldn't go to Rome. There wasn't a porous border. And then by, that was, the Rebbe says, that's really the big accomplishment of Matatera because the information the Abbas had already. But what really happened was that that it was now possible for godliness to saturate this physical realm. And so it would seem that the idea of can't happen before um, Elikus could saturate the Tachtainim. The Thank you. So if the Yesh Loimer, and we might say, that this last paragraph that the Rebbe just told us, this last idea that the Rebbe cited in the previous paragraph, rather, that there is a myla, that there is a superlative quality in elevating the divrei rishus, the inyane rishus, the things that are not in of themselves holy. And that there's something about this that even eclipses alpaneha avoid the mitzvahs, even juxtaposed against Torah mitzvahs, is still a, a greater level. That you can also understand this last thing within the first category, which was the idea that the neshama has to come down from above and it has to be vested in a body. And it has to contend with the Nefesh of Bahamas. And after it does that, it has the mile of Baal Shuva. And the Rebbe explains how it is that we can see this last aspect in the first category. When a person observes a mitzvah, even if he has to overcome his Yetzirah that is trying to interfere and is trying to impede him. Still in all, because after he, he, he forces himself to do this mitzvah, he weakens the Yetzirah, and he is able to reveal his true desire. We, we just, we just uh, actually um, cited this, that the Rambam says 
that Bepnimius, on the innermost level, every Jew, Kol Echad Yisrael, he wants to keep every mitzvah. Nimsa, so that means, So to a certain extent, it means that when it comes to fulfilling the mitzvah, there's no place for the Yitzhahara. Vim came. So now the Rebbe is going back and he's saying, uh, regarding the first category, if the Rambam paskins that every Jew wants to keep every mitzvah, then Bipnemius, essentially, there's no room for the Yitzhahara here. He's out of the game. It's out of his leak. Masha Ain came, but in contradistinction, but when you're talking about elevating everything that you do, that it should be done Lashem Shemaya, and that in all your ways you should know Hashem. Because you're engaging with these matters comes because of your taiva. You want sushi, you want pizza, you want your nails done, whatever, whatever. It comes because of the goof. It comes because the goof wants to exist. It wants a vivifying force. And that's why, in the final analysis, these things are called ma'asecha, your actions, your ways, even when they're done l'shem shemayim, even when they are suffused with the knowledge of God. So when the Jew engages in these meaning they're not in and of themselves holy, but he transforms them or he does it with such intentionality, such focused intention that it's pervaded with knowledge of Hashem, then this is mamish, the Indian of Baal Teshuvah. In contradistinction to the Indian of Torah Mitzvahs, which you could argue essentially on the essential level, but Pneumius, there's no place for the Sahara, so you can't really say that this is an instance of Baal Teshuvah. Zayin. So now the Rebbe says, let's explain the elevation, the, the, the superlative quality of the tshuva that a person can achieve through the upon the other type of tshuva, that is acquired through overcoming the Yitzhahara, that is found in Torah mitzvahs. So in other words, in, in Se'ivav, the Rebbe took the idea that he had spoken of in conjunction with the third aspect, which is the aspect of making a dear la'izbarach betachtonim, 
And he's saying, but really in the first aspect, and that is the neshama doing Torah mitzvahs, you also have this idea of engaging with divrei rishos. And there's a superlative quality to this because essentially there is no place for, for, the, for the satan, for the yetzahara in things that have to do with Torah mitzvahs. Why? Because it's the Rambam Paskins, because essentially a Jew wants to do that. Yeah, you know, there might be a lot of static and he can't hear what his neshama is saying and, and all this other thing. This is all true. But essentially he wants to do this. But when it comes to divrei rishos, there is no essential imperative that the neshama engage with it. When the neshama does, then you're talking about a whole different level. Now the Rebbe says, I want to explain this in greater detail, the difference between the tshuva that is accomplished through Torah mitzvahs and the tshuva that is accomplished through b'chol drachecha yilushem shemayim b'chol masecha yilushem shemayim b'chol drachecha de'eyum. Before we go there, I just want to, um, I think this is something I should have said earlier, that when you look at the first two aspects of the avoid of the neshama, Aleph, the Torah mitzvahs, and the fact that the neshama becomes a Baal Shuvah through Torah mitzvahs, that can only be done, vested in a guf and, with, and, and, and married to a nefesh of Bahamas. And the second, which is the idea of proliferating, Vu, physically and spiritually. So these are things that the neshama accomplishes for herself. Gimel, the third aspect about making a dear Barach, this is what the neshama does for the Abishra. And we're going to return to this. Now, Zion. So among the, the qualities of Avedis HaTshuva, simply speaking, is that through Tshuva, you reveal the strength of the connection between a Jew and, and Hashem. Because what happens when you do Tshuva? You do Tshuva when you did a Chet. You, did, you, 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 you transgressed, you trespassed, something that Ibish told you not to. And nevertheless, your connection to Hashem is not obviated. It, 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 it's still there. And that's why, and that's precisely why you could do teshuva after you did a sin, because the sin does not truncate your connection with Hashem. And the Rebbe says, in like fashion, okay? So first, the Rebbe takes, I don't know if there's such a thing as regular, pedestrian, simple teshuva, but on the simplest level, the concept of tshuva points in, in the strongest way. It points to the inviolable bond between a Jew and Hashem. Because the, the, the very fact that you could do teshuva means that nothing can break that bond. Here, you just did the opposite of what the Abishter wanted from you. 
<laughs> and now you're going to do tshuva. So it just underscores how that bond is, is inviolable. Rebbe says the same thing is true when you talk about the tshuva that a neshama does after it comes down into this world. That through the descent of the neshama into this world is expressed and is manifest the strength of the connection of the neshama with Hashem. That even when she is vested in a body and she is twinned with a nefesh of Bahamas, but still she is connected to the Abishra through Avaidas Hashem. And through this, we can understand the greatness of tshuva. And now we're in a position to understand the superlative quality. What is unique and in a sense greater about engaging with vis-a-vis the tshuva that can be achieved through doing avoida in Torah mitzvahs. Why? Because b'avoida the Torah mitzvahs b'alidei b'itori toikev ha'izgashu shal ha'neshama b'zeh. Because as the Rebbe just explained, through doing Torah mitzvahs comes to full-blown expression the strength of the connection of the neshama. Shagam b'yoyse b'gul f'nefshe b'hamis b'koycha l'hizgaber aleim v'latseis mehem toshash yitzri. Because even as the neshama is vested in a body and twinned with an Evesha Bahamas, she has the power to overcome them and to take leave from them, to weaken, Tashash Yitzray, to weaken the hold of the Yitzhar. That's through Tarim Mitzvahs. But through this third category of engaging with Yanei Rishus, Gam bin Yanei Rishus, Mizgala, so it's revealed, Asher Hiskash Rusa, Hiafilu, bin Yanim, Shebehem Nigash Ritzainai, Shel Hanefesh HaBahamis. What is achieved and what is showcased through this, what is revealed, that the connection between the Neshama and the Abishtar is felt and operates even in the arena of the Nefesh of Bahamas, even in things that emerge, their point of departure is the Nefesh of Bahamas. Because with a mitzvah, a mitzvah emerges from Ritzayna's Baruch, from, from Hashem's will. So it's a whole different category. And it is stupendous and amazing that the Neshama is able to overcome all of the obstacles and all of the obfuscation and all of the impediments that this world represents. Yeah, it's amazing but you're talking about a spiritual arena and you're talking about a neshama that wants to fulfill everything that Hashem said to do. In contradistinction, when you're talking about in Yanni Rishos, you're talking about a, a different category. You're talking about things that really are the, the purview of the Nefesh of Bahamas. And still you're able to assert the Abishter's will. That's a whole different category of teshuva of the aliyah that the neshama experiences. 
um, I'm going to look, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look after every, if I'm going to look into the chat. Can't you argue that dear B'tachtayinim is also for the self because it allows us to have the ultimate feelings of meaning and significance of the world being partners with Hashem? Um, so that's a fantastic question. Um, first, you're getting very hot. The Rebbe is going to turn to this soon. Funny. Um, second, on, and the Rebbe is going to talk about it on a different level. And, and yes, I think what you're saying is true, that on a psychological level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, it allows us to have that ultimate feeling of meaning and significance in the world. But of course, <laughs> I want to be careful how I say this. Not that how we feel and what we think about what we're doing is not important. But when you're talking about categories of aliyah, so we're not talking about what we feel, how it massages our ego. We're talking about what is accomplished. So, so far, so far, it seems that the first two categories accomplish things for the neshama herself. And the third category is what the neshama does for the Abishtha. And the Rebbe is going to go soon in this direction of, of asking this question that, that you asked. Ches. Omnam, however, sorry. Um, I may have missed this, but why does the Rebbe keep focusing? Why is this considered tshuva? What, why is the word constantly tshuva? Why is doing, so I may have missed this. In uh, so the chazaka is Esther that you don't miss much. Um, having said that, um, the, remember that our point of departure are the psukim, b'shafti b'sholem, right? And, oh. and, and the Rebbe is talking about how, uh, you know, and using the Arhachayim as kind of like the, the segue into this whole Indian, that this is the trajectory of each neshama. And the Rebbe says in Sagrayim, also the whole Indian of Golos. That so we're talking about Shuva as in sinning, but we're talking about Shuva as in Shafti. Okay, great. Thank you very we're much. We're talking about Shuva as an avoida, rather as a redressing of a sin. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we're talking about the aliyah that comes through the yirida. And the aliyah is the Indian of tshuva. Okay, amnam, however, apapikain, nevertheless, gam ilui zeshel haneshama, ha ilui de tshuva shal Even this superlative quality, this, this highest, the zenith of the tshuva that can be done, by the neshama through engaging with the yani rishos l'shem shemayim, enay ki yisran ha'iloi. Inyan ha'gimel del ilsef he hanifal alidezesh haneshama oisas ha'olam the dear lo yisbarach. Even this third quality, this third category, this third level that the neshama is able to reach through engaging with yani rishos, still falls short of what is accomplished by the neshama when it engages in avoda for the purpose of creating a dear lo yizbarach. 
which was the third category. Because remember, everything that we did after that third category was a subsidiary of the first category, right? Of the of the of the of the of the Chuba. Now the Reb is going to explain how the third category, making a dear Lois Barach, is in a category of its own. And he explains like this. The connection of, an, of the neshama to the abishar is connected to the existence of the neshama and its natural disposition, its characteristics, the characteristics of a neshama. And therefore, so although the complete nature of the neshama still remains, even as she is vested in a body and twinned with the nefesh Bahamas, nevertheless, but because this staunch, steadfast, remaining complete of the neshama is based on the neshama's inherent qualities, there's still going to be a limitation to it. Masha ain't a contradistinction. But when the neshama affects the world, that the world should become a vessel and a conduit for So now this is a whole different category of Aveda, because the fact that the world is going to become a container for Elikus does not stem from its inherent existence and its inherent characteristic, quite the opposite. The other of them, on the contrary, the inherent quality of the world is to obscure godliness, not to be a vessel, a container for godliness. But because the Abishter wants it, because in Hashem, in his unity, there are no limitations, the Rebbe is explaining that when the neshama goes into the territory of creating a dear Yisbarach, the neshama joins with kaiches, with possibilities that are that are without any limitation. Because the neshama by herself as much as the neshama is a chelikal kamimal mamash, and as much as the neshama remains steadfast and staunch in its mission, even when it's put in such difficult uh, circumstances, but it still is operating within certain parameters. But when it crosses over into the territory of making a dear Yisbarach, this is a whole new terrain with a whole new set of possibilities. Why? Because now it's now it's now it's Abishter. It's not Neshama, it's Abishter, because only the Abishter could take the world that was created to obfuscate Elokus 
and allow it to become a container for Elokos. Through the fact that the Neshama engages with this world to make of it a dear Lord and expresses through this Aveda the unlimited nature of a Kaddish Baruch then her connection with Hashem becomes an unlimited one, a much higher connection than the Neshama enjoyed up high, a higher connection than the Neshama can achieve through engaging a Torah and Mitzvahs, a higher connection than the Neshama can, engage through, can, can achieve through engaging in poor vu and the proliferation. It's a whole different thing. And look at the parentheses, because it's because once the Neshama, you could say, partners with the Avistar, latches onto the Avistar, joins the team of turning this world inside out and upside down, then she leaves all of her constraints and takes on the quality of built equal, of being without any limitation that only the Ebeshter has. Question, please. Yeah. Is this talking only about Divrei Rishus, or is this Dir B'tachtonim not happening when you're using physical things to do a mitzvah? It's talking about Dir B'tachtonim. In that, general. That's, that in general. The whole inning of Divrei Rishus was to deepen our understanding of Torah and Mitzvahs, actually. That even in Torah and Mitzvahs, because there's many mitzvahs that we do with Divrei Rishus, but, but now the Dir B'tachtainim is global. It's everything. Okay. Everything that we do in this world, in this physical world. Tess, I'm sorry. Tess, if Tess. Omnam, however, alias elu, as exalted as these elevations might be, that the neshama is able to achieve through calming down on all three levels that the Rebbe has already delineated, these are still not the reason that the neshama came into this world. Rebbe says, because everything that Ibishta created is for the glory of Hashem. And I, meaning each one of us, was only created to serve our master. So move on is understood. So it's understood that all of this that we have said is not ultimately, solely, or even primarily so that the neshama should be able to achieve these very exalted levels of aliyah. But rather, but it's rather to fulfill the, the, the the intention of the Ebishter. 
And like the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, that the neshama coming down to this world is not for the purpose of the neshama. But rather, the coming down of the soul into this world is to refine and to elevate the body and the vivifying force and it's chalkoi ba'olam. The Rebbe uses the term chalkoi ba'olam. It means everything that we were given in our world, in our life, that is our portion of the world, our physical assets, our metaphysical assets. All of this is our chalak, and the neshama comes down to be mivarer, to olazachir, to, to elevate, to refine our body, our nefesh bahamis, our nefesh chayonis, and everything that belongs to us. Lekashram uliyachadam ba'ar ein slev baruchu, to connect them and to unify them in the infinite light of Hashem. She'aydezeh nishlemes ha'kavona d'nis'ava kadosh baruchu li'yitzadir b'dachtonim. Because through this, Hashem's desire and Hashem's intention, Hashem's yen for a dear B'dachtainim comes to fruition. As a side benefit, because it's an neshama that fulfills the Abishter's intention, the Abishter's desire. Therefore, she receives an untrammeled reward, a great reward that has no measure. And through this Avaita, the neshama achieves a uh, an elevation that, that that has no end, that has no measure. But that's a side benefit. We have to understand. So how does this, is going back to Hadi's question, so the Rebbe says, how do what I just said earlier, that it's all really about the kavan of the Ebesh Vadir Barach. How does that Eila Bekon Echad, how does that jive Im Hamavor become a Mekremes, what is explained in other places? Sheyiridis Hanashem Lamata, he Bishvil Ha'aliyah. That the Neshama comes down to this world for an Aliyah for it. Dilich Eira, it would seem. Hakavana Bazahi. Shaliyah Hanashem, he Hatam, Bahatachla Shaliridasa, Veloi, Inyan study Bilvat. In accordance with what we learn in other places, it seems that the neshama comes down to this world for aliyah, and that this is not a side benefit. This is the reason the neshama comes down that it should that it should achieve an aliyah. And here we're saying that the main thing is the dear is barach, not the neshama. Yes, the neshama is going to achieve an aliyah, but that's a side benefit of the fact that the neshama is fulfilling what the Abishter wants. And the main thing is the fulfillment of the dear Baruch. So how do we reconcile both of these ideas? So now the Rebbe is going to explain in Se'if Yud. The Rebbe says, and the explanation is, at least in short, 
I hope that it's clear to everybody already that this is a sikha that has to be learned numerous times. Numerous, numerous times. There's a lot going on here. The Indian dearly is yadua. In the Indian of dearly is creating for Hashem a an abode in this lower realm, it's known. That although the Abishraha celestial domains, but it's Dafka in this lower realm that the Abishra wanted a dwelling place, for Atmos, for Hashem's essence, whatever that might be. Because Above in the celestial realms, meirim ragiluyim, because above there is just the manifestations of elikus. And completely counterintuitively, it's only in this physical realm that the Abishter essence rests, lives. And this idea, this concept that the essence of Hashem is found specifically lemata, because it's only in this world that you have the complete bittle, you have the complete self-abnegation of everything to the extent that ain oid movadai. There's nothing but Hashem. And this is not what happens in, in the worlds above. Because in the supernal realms, the beetle that is expressed there is only kiloi, like there's nothing else. It's only in this world that there could be this complete beetle where there is nothing else. Now, how can we understand this? I'm going to try to say a few words on this that I am telling you from the get-go don't do justice to this, um, but I'm going to try. So Hasidus explains that there's two types of bitl. There's something called bitl hayesh, where you abnegate the self, but, but the self is in the picture. I know that I'm abnegating myself. And then there's something called bitl hametzias. You abnegate the very existence. That's it. There's nothing else. Okay, so what does it mean that in this world there's a possibility for bitl hametzius, whereas above there is the possibility for bitl only for bitl hayesh? So one way to understand it is like this: above there's giluyim, the abishter is revealed. In the face of revelation, many things fall away. 
But it's not because the person is in such a state of self-obviating, but it's because in the, in the face of the gilui. So <laughs> we live in such times where I don't even know what kind of example we would give. Maybe in another day we would have said, maybe when you stand before a president or a king or a queen, you feel yourself unable to express because you're in the presence of something so great. Okay, we, we, we have nothing like that anymore. But I, but I think that that's what people felt when they were standing in front of the Rebbe. So above, there are so many Giluyim. So when you say that there's beetle of the, of the angels, let's say, but it's beetle Hayesh. They're there, but the, but the gilui is so overwhelming that in the face of that gilui, they kind of are disabled. Make sense? Whereas here, there, we don't have the gilui. Everything is an even of Helen Behester. The Abishra is obfuscated, the Abishra is shrouded and obscured. So what is it about this world? that we say there could be bittel hamatzias. So when, when you look at, we're not talking now about people, we're talking about the physical world. Every aspect of the physical world is in complete abnegation to its creator. The sun, the moon, the stars, the wind, every aspect thereof. And it's not because of the Gilui. It's because it doesn't feel its existence as separate and apart from its creator. So like the Rebbe famously brings down that when the sun sets, that's the sun prostrating herself to her creator. Maybe another way of understanding this is, say you have a king and uh, it's very uncomfortable to go to sleep with a crown on your head. So the king needs a place to put the crown. The king is not going to put the crown on one of his subjects' head, even one that is very, 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 very loyal. Because when a person gets a, a crown on their head, they, they may get the idea that they actually are the king or could become the king. But when the king puts it on a nail, a nail can't feel itself king ever. That's Bittel Hametzias. There's no Hametzias, there's no existence. Is it possible that Bittel Hametzias, I'm just throwing this out while you're talking, listening to what you're saying. Is it possible that Bittel Hametzias is Miseris Nefesh? And that can only be done in this world, whether actually giving one's life in life or giving one's life in death, whichever way you want to look at it. Is it possible that that concept of Miseris Nefesh can only be done here and not, well, for sure, it can't be done up in heaven. And that could be an element of Bittl Hametzias, which is so not normal. I mean, but it's not I, I think in Messias Nefesh itself, there's still two categories. There's Bittal Ayesh and there's Bittal Amitsias. That's true. Uh, like, like, like the Fritz Gabba said, uh, I, I, um, 
and the words, What does it mean, may Hashem be with us like he was with our fathers? That we should be able to do the same Messias Nefesh and not feel that we're doing Messias Nefesh. That our, that's how our fathers were able to operate. That's even a greater Bittl HaMetzias, wouldn't you say? That's Bittl HaMetzias. Bittl HaYesh is you do Messias Nefesh and you're cognizant of the fact that you do Messias Nefesh. Well, I think Bittl HaYesh is every time we make a choice to do something for the Eberster or someone else over us. That's Bittl HaYesh. If we do it with a full intent that the other one matters more, and right now I don't, that's Bittl HaYesh. My ego, myself, my need. Right. But Messias Nefesh is Mamash Bittl HaMetzias. But again, only, mm-hmm. only if it's not about me engaging with Messias Because then it's still Bittl HaYesh and it's not Bittl yes. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. why. What what do Hasidim wish each other? What's what's the biggest bracha? As Mizel can an oisfir de kavana, that we should be able to fulfill the Rebbe's intention. That, that the Rebbe's avodah should get done. Doesn't have to be through me. Doesn't have to be through you. It should get done. Right. These are the iconic words of a Hasid. Zayichazayin. Can an ice fair de Kavana? Because, because really, that, that's the sinny. Yes, I want to have a schus in the Rebbe Zavayda. And yes, that could take a lot of Monsieur Snefesh. But that's still, a, still talking about Bittel Hayesh. Thank you. And because it's the Abishter's will and intention that this work should be done through a person specifically, therefore this Avoida has to be done in a way of complete Bittel. With so much bittel that it should be a bittel that is like ein oid. There's nothing else but the Eberster. And like the bittel of a simple, simple servant. What's the difference between a simple servant and not a simple servant? That the bittel of a simple servant, not because the servant is able to feel and analyze and recognize and appreciate how great the master is and therefore wants to be associated with greatness, but the bittel of Evid Pashul Mitzada Adainatsmai, because that's what. Adain wants. If you look at footnote 51, this is the distinction of a simple servant over the loyal servant. The servant is loyal, but the servant Ne'emon is able to appreciate the greatness of his master. And people want to be associated with greatness. They want to have a part in greatness. The Evid Pashut 
doesn't have these chishpoinas. He, he's, not, he's not capable of cogitating on this level. Just wants to do what his master wants done. And so based on this, we might say that what is explained in various places, that the descent of the neshama is for the purpose of an aliyah for the neshama herself, that that is, is um, relevant to what it says in Tanya, he that the reason the neshama comes down to this world is in order to fulfill Hashem's intention for dear Ptachtonim. Ke alias hadashama, he possesses gas ad bechinas bitul. Because this aliyah of the neshama reaches to the level of bitul. Sha'avidosa ain't a mitzad mitziusaha protis, elamitzad achdusa shalakadish barhu. Because this avoida is not because of the Nishama's, let's just say, private or personal existence, but rather because of the Abishta's Achdos. And in order to effectuate this Avaida, in order to fulfill the Kavana, it's necessary for the Nishama that does the Avaida, that creates the Dira, to be in a complete state of Bitl. And this bittle gives rise to that great aliyah. The Rebbe now circles back and says, I'll be called Hana, based on everything that we've explained. Yuvnu dalit and yanim shebehem shachaksuvim divayidar yakov nedar. Now we're going to be able to bring a whole new level of understanding to the four clauses in the psukim that we looked at. Both the um, the the uh, help me here, somebody. The conditions. The conditions. Thank you. And what were the conditions? And the second night. So first, Yaakov said, "I need you to watch over me. I I, I need food. I need clothing, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then spiritually, I need to be able to return to my father's house complete, spiritually complete, unimpacted, and, uh, and uncompromised. And the Rebbe reminds us, and the fact that they're not found in one Pasuk, but they're divided into Pasukim shows us that it's two different categories. So both we're able to understand the conditions in a new way, and we're also going to be able to understand the two clauses in the vow itself, the first part is that Hashem will be to me a God. And the second is by Evan Azoysashim that these stone, this stone which I put here as a matseva, um, as a monument, will be a house for God. And that the, the two aspects of the vow itself are also subdivided in two parts. We explained already, all the way back at Sif Aleph, that the goal, the intended goal 
is the nether, is the vow. And the conditions are just a conduit, they're just a, um, an ends for the goal. And based on what we said above, and as we have just explained, that the goal of the neshama coming down expresses itself in two different things. There's what the neshama needs to do for herself. And and then there's what the Ebeshter needs from the neshama to make a dear And in like fashion, there's two categories in the Avoida. There's the Avoida in Torah and Mitzvahs, and then there's the Avoida of co-opting everything in Divrei Rishus for Hashem. So we found, we find, it would seem, that the two aspects of the condition allude to the two aspects of the avoida, on the one hand the terem mitzvahs, and on the other hand the inyane rishus that are elevated. The the first part of the condition where Yaakov says, "Please, Abish, I need you to to watch over me, and I need you to give me enough to eat, and to and 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 food and and clothes to wear, and so on and so forth." This is Yaakov Avinu asking in the conditions, please watch over me that I should not do anything bad. I shouldn't do an Avera. And watch over me that I should do the right thing, that I should learn Torah and I should keep mitzvahs. And the Rebbe says that in Tanya we learn that Tayra is lechem and mitzvahs is beged. So it's right there alluded to in what Yaakovino asked for. And then the second clause, please watch over me that I should return spiritually complete to my father's home. This alludes to this is these are these are power of things these are neutral things that we have to that we have capability to elevate and this is the Indian of Truva the shafti Although we come to these things because our Nefesh Bahamas wants to eat our Nefesh Bahamas wants this pleasure our Nefesh Bahamas wants to shop Mikol makayim. You have to put the word mikol. It's missing here. Mikol makayim. Gam inyanim elo enam mayritim ayseyelara. As still and all, although they emerge from the nefesh of Bahamas, but they don't bring the person down. Shalei minachet shalei elmay bidarche lovan. Like Rashi says. When, when Yaakov Avinu is asking for this, he's saying, please, Hashem, Shafti, Bishalom, Shalom in peace means Shalom, complete, not impacted by the ways of love in any way spiritually. And why, why can this happen? Because although the point of departure is the Nefesh Bahamas, but he doesn't engage in these things only to fulfill his taiva, 
but he does it l'shem shemayim. He does it for the sake of heaven. And now the Rebbe says, you're going to see how these two clauses, these two categories in the Tnoyim, in the conditions, bring to the two things in the vow, which is the fulfillment of the Kavana and the Tachlis of Yeridas HaNeshama Lamata, the whole reason for why the Neshama comes down below. Tchila, the first thing that is accomplished with the Neshama coming down is, Hashem Hashem will be my God, Aliyah Sa'adam HaNeshama, that the person is elevated, that the Neshama is elevated. And afterwards, And then we talk about the house of God. And after we have we have explained that the zenith of accomplishment of elevation for the neshama, the summit is when she leaves her self control. And her work for Hashem is not because what else would a neshama want to do. But it's But it's because of Hashem, and Hashem is found in every place in the Divrei Rishus, even in the aspects of the world that are not a manifest fashion. Therefore, now the Rebbe is going to circle back and explain how both these conditions. And the aspects of the vow itself are positioned exactly as they are in the Pesuk. Therefore, we find in the Pesuk, in this order, that these two aspects are found one next to the other, in one continuum. Remember, the Ramban sees them as both being part of the vow. I'm going to serve the one God, the one united God, in the place of the stone, which will be a house for God. This means, it should be felt by a person. It should be recognized that he's doing this avoda, not because this is his nature. Happens to be a spiritual person, a Hasidic person, a from person, a good person, a morally calibrated person. No, but bedugmas ha'even azayis, like this stone is going to be a house for Hashem. That even azayis tia beisalakim arayze rak mitzade yisay achdusa shalkes baruch bleak vul. You could only take a stone and make it into a house of God because of Hashem's infinite ability to do that. That can't come from your neshama, can't come from how great you are. Amnon, however, Afal became, nevertheless, Hatevis Vahaya Hashem Lila Lekin, Hain Bepasuk Echad in Bishafti Bashal. But pay attention, the Rebbe says, that nevertheless, it's found in the same pasuk as the words b'shafti b'shalom. 
So it must be conceptually tethered to that. And it's not in Pasuk Chav Beis separately. Because let's remember that the ultimate intention of the neshama coming down is not her aliyah. Yes, that will happen, but that's not the ultimate intention. But rather, the reason the neshama comes down is for the fulfillment of Hashem's intention and Hashem's desire for a dwelling place below. And therefore, the idea that Hashem will be to me a God, meaning that the neshama will come to fruition, she'll have an aliyah. Although this is an outcome of her avayda, Rebbe is saying that the lower part of the neder has to do with what the neshama gets out of it. It's good and fine, it's good, it's great, but it's still not the ultimate of what Hashem wants. And therefore, it belongs connected to Vashafti Vashalom. It belongs connected to the tonight, to the conditions that Yaakov Avinu is asking for, that I should return in peace spiritually. It belongs there. It belongs more in, in conjunction with the tnayim, with the conditions, than to the next pasuk, which is the ultimate fruition of Hashem's desire, the base elakim, the dear betachtain. Yud base. The Yeshloimar we might say, now let's go back to the fact that Rashi did not see that clause as part of the neder, but rather as part of the conditions that Hashem should be to me a God. I'm sorry, this clause is a detail. So the Rebbe is saying that we might say that even according to Rashi, that he is saying that's not part of the neder, it's part of the, the tnayim, it's part of the conditions. But the fact that it's in that pasuk, which is connected to the neder, because Vahaya Shamdilakim is according to the Ramban part of the Nether. So it's a detail not of the Nishama's work, but it's a detail in the Aliyah in Havaida, in the elevation of the Nishama that comes as an outgrowth of Havaida, And this jibes with what the Ramban teaches. Here the Rebbe is quoting the words of Rashi. What is me Vashafti Bashalam Abbas Avi? Rashi explains that Yaakovina is asking that Hashem's name should always rest upon me, should always be um, amplified through me until the very end, meaning that there should be no spiritual deficit in any of my descendants 
This can only happen because the truth of the matter is that this can only happen through the neshama connecting with the abister in a place where there are no limitations at all. And as for Rashi putting it into the conditions and not in the vow as Ramban does, how can he do that? How can Rashi say that this is part of the Tanayim? It's because because this is because the Ali of the Neshama is all still and all as high as it is a preparation for the main Tachlis, which is a Evan Hazois Ia base Alakim So everything else you could say is gravy. I'm sorry. Um, are you saying in the higher world there isn't enough Metsias in the first phase for Bittel HaMetsias? No, I, I, I think if I'm understanding this correctly, and that's a big if, although I tried my best and I did study with my husband and ask questions and so on and so forth. But to the extent of my limited understanding, it's the opposite. In the higher world, there is a Metsias. And therefore, there could just be Bittel Hayesh. The spiritual aspects of the world, the the, the Srafim, the Chayes HaKodesh, the, the different angels still feel themselves. But there's a bitl mitzad de giluyim. There's a bitl mitzad de giluyim. In the same way as a very smart, accomplished, important person might feel a bitl in front of somebody else that is maybe more uh, accomplished and smarter and so on and so forth. But they still remain in their own Matthias. Masha Inkin in this world, and again, the world, not us, but the world, there's this, this it's not Bitala Yesh, it's Bitala Matthias. There's nothing else. There's just Ain Eid Mavade. Every aspect of this world, except for the Chutz Binyak, the person, Stands in 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 a state of bittul hametzias. You'd give up. Is that like sorry? Is that like kind of like the angels are able to feel themselves because they wouldn't be like they because they can they can stand in the face of revelation without exploding because they are ethereal to begin with. Is yeah, that you what you're say saying? That. Whereas we can't. Look, you know, it's like we learned that in Atsilos, there can be nothing else. There can be nothing else in Atsilos. Atsilos means close, close by. So like on the orb of the sun, there are no rays. There are no rays. So Hasidus, this is, I mean, you know, this is turning everything on its head, right? And saying that there's a myla in this world above what goes on in, in Shemaya. And that is that only in this world could there be the Emesa Ein Oid Mulvata. The Emesa Bitl Hametzius. Above Aifanim V'chayis HaKodesh 
there's bitl, there's bitl ayesh. Yes, they're saying kadosh, 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 kadosh. But they're still kind of like the servant who could feel the crown on his head and have like a, a, a frizzen of, of well, I'm the king, maybe. Like uh, even a fleeting nanosecond of a thought. Yud Gimel. The Yishloimari might say, Shatam that the reason shall appearish Rashi in Yibahaya Shem Lila Lakim who prat bitnai. Ula perish Haramban who prat bitnederhu. Okay, this is like <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, not that the whole thing has been unbelievable, but look what the Rebbe says here. We might say that the reason for why Rashi says that Yibahaya Shem Lila Lakim is part of the conditions. And the Ramban says that Bahaya Hashem Lilalakim is part of the Nedar, is because Baperish Ramban, Yeshna Benaisaf Lipshatim, Gam Dvarim Neimim Liyoidim Chim. That because Ramban wrote about his um, Perush, that in addition to explanation, he also has Dvarim Neimim. Pleasant, maybe? Pleasant, yes, thank you. Pleasant things for those who understand, meaning mystical, mystical concepts. This all has to do with Gidluya. In other words, he's Megala things. The Ramban is Megala things. And so on the level of Gidluya, the fact that the Nishama is experiencing an aliyah is a tachlis, is a goal in and of itself. And therefore you could say that is part of the tachlis, it's part of the nedah. But Rashi says now pashtos, when you're talking chasidus about pashtos, it should not be conflated with with simplicity as in a lower level, oh, like on the simple level. Pashtus means it's so essential that it is plain and unadorned and absolutely the essence. So going, circling back, to the difference between the Evid Pashut and the Evid Neman. So Rashi is about Pshitus, about this simple, essential level. Like the Alta Rebbe says, I don't want Elokus, I don't want your, I don't want your, 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 um, I'm sorry. Um, okay. Uh, um, they're waiting for me. I'm late for a meeting, so I'm just going to finish. Al-Drebbe taught us, I don't, I don't want anything. I just want you. Abish, I want you. This is the Pashtas. The Chafetz Rat B'Milui Ratzana Adan. And all that the Neshama wants on that level is to fulfill the will of his master. Um, I, I have to bounce. I know it's rude. I wish everybody a wonderful week. And I hope that you forbring long and hard because if there ever was a sicha that has to be forbring on long and hard, it's this one. Cult of everybody.